Hello and welcome. This is Hard Reset. I'm Justin Sanders, joined today as always by the founder and editor of BigIfTrue.org, Molly Bryant. Molly, it's been a few weeks since we've recorded the show, kind of had a little holiday break here. Back in it, lots to discuss in the news, but first of all, how are you doing this week? I'm doing great. How are you, Justin? Doing well. Um, I think uh, the main thing on our plate today is uh, this whole story around Iranian general Qasem Soleimani uh, and kind of the huge chain of events that has been set off by the Trump administration's move to assassinate him in Iraq. So first of all, I just want to get kind of a, an overview from you. I know we want to discuss this fact check about the shifting justifications for that killing. Um, what has the Trump administration said about why they mo- made that move uh, to take out Suleimani? So their main argument for that drone strike was uh, because they claimed Suleimani had planned an, an attack. So that's sort of what one of the first things we're going to talk about right now is just like what they have said and if it stacks up. Exactly. So you mentioned they had planned an attack. What do we know about um, this attack that we were preempting uh, when we made the move to assassinate Suleimani? What has been said about it by the White House? We can start by, you know, looking at just what Trump has said last week. So um, on Thursday, he said that Suleimani had planned to um, attack the U.S. embassy in Baghdad. Later that same day at a at a rally in Toledo, he said that Suleimani had planned to attack multiple U.S. embassies. Um, then the next day, he chose a number and it was four. Four U.S. embassies were facing attack because of Suleimani. Yesterday on CBS, uh, Defense Secretary Mark Esper, he said that he didn't see intelligence that showed there was a threat against four U.S. embassies. Um, He did say that there was intelligence that showed there was a plan to attack the Baghdad embassy. So, I mean, you get the idea. Like, it's all kind of conflicted. And even when they make these statements, they don't provide evidence to back up that uh, what they're saying is true. Right. So and it's it's unclear if we'll ever actually see that evidence of what the intelligence was showing. But even just what they're willing to say, these different people involved in this. So you mentioned Mark Esper, the defense secretary. He's saying um, there was a plan to attack the embassy in Baghdad. Then you have Donald Trump saying, uh, originally he says that, and then he's kind of made it into, there were more embassies, there were four embassies. Uh, and then it looks like Secretary of State Mike Pompeo on Friday, he said, uh, we had specific information on an imminent threat. So that's in line with Esper and also with parts of what Trump said. Uh, and then he said, those threats included attacks on U.S. embassies, period, full stop. So Pompeo was willing to to make the assertion that there were multiple attacks planned, uh, kind of backing up what Trump said. But then, uh, like you mentioned, Molly, two days later, the defense secretary wasn't willing to go that far. So it seems like, as you as you said, the, the stories are conflicting a little bit. Um, and my question for you is, like, what's the reaction been to those conflicting justifications, um, especially by... Uh, members of Congress. I know they've received some briefings, probably more information than the public has. What are they saying about the justification behind uh, taking out Suleimani? 
Yeah, so both Republicans and Democrats have complained about uh, these briefings that were held last week from uh, the government to Senate and the House of Representatives. Um, For instance, uh, Senator Mike Lee, he's a Republican from Utah, he said that the briefing was insulting, that it was the worst briefing on a military issue that he'd experienced in nine years in the Senate. That was because of the lack of the lack of evidence that lawmakers were being provided. They complained that there wasn't enough evidence that Suleimani was planning an imminent attack when he was killed. So Mike Lee, usually, I think it's fair to say, in line with the president, if he's criticizing kind of the information they're being given, I assume the president's um, critics already in Congress are probably even more outspoken about these justifications that are coming down. Is that right? Yeah, that's definitely true. So um, we could look at what Senator Chris Murphy, he's a Democrat from Connecticut, what he told the Washington Post. um, He said that the Baghdad embassy didn't actually like come up during the briefing. It only uh, made an appearance in the context of protests that occurred um, in Baghdad in December. And Senator Edward Markey also said that uh, the briefing didn't include information about uh, a threat against an embassy. Um, and that the briefers from the government didn't say that there was an imminent imminent threat. Right. So and that's very interesting because so we're seeing multiple Democratic members saying that from there and also I think Pramila Jayapal, uh, if, if I'm pronouncing that correctly, um, from Washington, uh, said that the briefing provided no raw evidence of an imminent threat. And so I wonder if we'll see in the coming week, um, even that, you know, the the level that Esper is willing to go to, to say that they were preempting a future attack. It'll be interesting to see if that shifts into more, they were responding to what happened at the Baghdad embassy uh, with the protests. And, and those protests were kind of compared to um, Trump's Benghazi moment, if you will. Um, obviously, uh, during President Obama's tenure, uh, there were protests. Um, I, I think that is not a contentious point, although I think some people say that the whole protest story was like a cover over what really happened, but it led to, I think, four Americans being killed inside the embassy uh, in Benghazi uh, in Libya. Uh, and, and so that, that was a similar moment, it seemed, where the American embassy was under threat by protesters. Um, and you do wonder with the shifting justifications, with what's being said in the media by these Democratic members, um, if this attack really was more of a response to that than a preemption of something else. But again, it, it's not clear if we'll ever have better information about this, um, but it has become probably the the most contentious and partisan kind of divided story of the of the last month or so. Uh, at least is the the different opinions about how warranted you know this assassination of this Iranian general was. Um, we haven't even talked about kind of the different things that set off from the Iranian bombing of a of a U.S. airbase that didn't kill anyone, but still um, was was a bold move. And then we were discussing earlier, Molly, uh, the terrible tragedy of that Ukrainian flight that um, Iran has now admitted they shot down uh, in mistake. Um, over Iran. So we've already seen uh, shockwaves absolutely from this decision. 
to take out Soleimani, um, and, and I think everyone's kind of just bracing to see if, if that's going to continue or if this kind of reached a detente between the United States and, and Iran. So um, I'm going to be super interested to follow the justifications that are coming out of both the Defense Department and the White House, uh, and also the reaction of those justifications in Congress. Uh, it, this kind of reminded me a little bit, Molly, of something else we wanted to discuss today, um, the way that different people on both sides of the issue are reacting to it in the media. Immediately after Soleimani uh, was killed, you had this divide in the discourse between people that supported uh, the Trump administration's decision and, and thought that it was, I guess you could say, like indisputably good to kill an enemy of America, um, someone that you know has these anti-American sentiments, and um, you know, depending on your your views on. Iran and the Quds forces, which is the the um, piece of the Iranian military that Soleimani was in charge of, uh, you could say like an active enemy of the United States. That was that was the justification used by supporters of the attack. And then on the other side, um, I think you saw a lot of people, especially um, from the Democratic Party, that said that it was poorly planned, the timing uh, didn't make sense, and you know even. Even if you're killing an enemy of America, that's not necessarily a good justification to do something so provo- pr- provocative towards uh, a country like Iran that does have a lot of military power. And basically, it's kind of been a powder keg uh, when it comes to the Middle East region. Like, I, I think there's always been some fears since at least the, uh, the, the 1970s and 80s, Iranian hostage crisis, all of that, uh, of like a full-blown war with Iran. So... You had a lot of critics of the move as well. And the thing we're talking about in the second fact check over at BigOfTrue.org, you can read this right now, uh, is the claim by some that Democrats essentially mourn the death of Soleimani. And that's kind of the important word here is mourn, right? So what can you tell us about the the different sides of this conversation? That's kind of the gist is just uh, Republicans casting Democrats as mourning the death of of, uh, Soleimani. But not because they are actually mourning him, but because they are criticizing the decision to uh, uh, to kill him. So uh, I have uh, a couple of examples from a story that, or it's an opinion piece really on the conservative site, Real Clear Politics, that shows you like how this is working. The first one is House Speaker Nancy Pelosi and the author of this piece in Real Clear Politics, Tony Schaefer. He described her as mourning uh, Suleimani because she supports a uh, a war powers resolution that would restrict uh, President Donald Trump's military action in Iran. So there you go. That is um, not the same thing as mourning the death of Soleimani. So what this kind of reminds me of is um, last year, this happened pretty frequently, uh, Representative Elon Omar, um, she would make comments that were critical of uh, Israel. And so because she criticized Israel, um, people on the on the right and far right would say that she was anti-Semitic. But criticizing the country of Israel is not the same thing as, you know, expressing anti-Semitic views. So that's the same way that uh, this criticism of this decision to kill Soleimani has been twisted into this other thing um, to make it look like Democrats actually support terrorists is a pretty extreme fabrication. 
Right. And so we have a couple of other examples of statements that were made. And I'll, I'll, I'm going to start with the more restrained one. So what did uh, Nikki Haley, who was the former ambassador to the UN under Donald Trump, also the former governor of South Carolina, what was what was her claim uh, on Monday on the Sean Hannity show? She, she said that um, presidential Democratic candidates are mourning the loss of Soleimani, um, which, as we just discussed, it, it, it doesn't really equate when you criticize uh, an attack that you're mourning the outcome of the attack. Like mourning to me has like this this other definition and emotional attachment where, um, you know, it, it's different than simply saying I wouldn't have done this, I guess. Oh, yeah. I mean, like mourning. I mean, if we looked it up in the dictionary, it would be going to a funeral, expressing grief, uh, feeling a feeling of loss. It, that doesn't apply. Right. Like the... I, and I don't I don't think that and that and actually before I say this, let's just say she kind of walked that statement back a little bit um, or maybe explained it more in detail. Yeah, the the dispatch, this, that's a, a new uh, conservative news outlet that's kind of um, it's it's partisan, certainly, but they're trying to um, not participate in any uh, misinformation campaigns, basically. So they fact checked this claim um, and got a statement from Haley's office that said uh, mourning comes in different forms. It doesn't have to be literally crying over the casket of Ayatollah Ali uh Khomeini. And then she goes on to say leading Democrats are aggressively arguing that we would be better off if Qasem Soleimani was still alive today. This is effectively mourning his death. Um, that's the end of the quote. No, it's not. That's not what mourning is. So it's just kind of just trying to manipulate people into believing this uh, line of thought. Yeah, exactly. So that statement kind of sums up the whole problem with this argument, right? So Nikki Haley's office is saying, if you said this attack is something I oppose, she takes it a step and says, you're saying the world would be better off if he was still alive today. It's like, no, that's not what they said. They said the way in which he was killed uh, was problematic from a foreign policy perspective, et cetera, et cetera. And we actually have some um, some some reasonings that the, the uh, for the the people they're talking about used right. So Bernie Sanders said on Twitter that Soleimani's death would bring us closer to another disastrous war in the Middle East that would cost countless lives and trillions more dollars. At no point in that statement is he saying the world would be better off if this person was still alive. That's just twisting it. Same with Omar, who you mentioned. She said on Twitter that the Democrats are outraged the president would assassinate a foreign official, possibly setting off another war without congressional authorization and has zero plan to deal with the consequences. Again, these criticisms aren't saying that Suleimani is someone that deserved, uh, you know, to to do whatever he wants and to be given like these plaudits. Like none of none of these statements say that. The statements are critical of the decisions made by the administration, um, how they carried out these attacks, or what the possible consequences could be. Um, so it's just like a, it's kind of like petty. Uh, partisanism which you know isn't isn't a shock by any stretch in, in in today's media landscape but to say that basically the democrats are siding with the iranian general um when in reality they're each siding more with wanting different things not to happen as a result of this for the most part um so definitely kind of a a tricky one i mentioned earlier there was a more extreme version that we can mention before we move on so doug collins said on fox business network 
uh, the Democrats are in love with terrorists and mourn Soleimani more than they mourn the losses of Gold Star families uh, who have an immediate family member who died during U.S. military service. So I, I don't think we have to fact check that directly based on the conversation we just had. But obviously, that's that's a ridiculous um, overstatement of anything that was said by any Democratic politician in response to this. Yeah, it's really extreme. And um, another thing um, I might mention is this also uh, took another forum. People, um, conservatives on Twitter complained that uh, journalists were mourning uh, Suleimani because they covered his funeral. And in general, because just for reasons like that that didn't check out. Um, the last thing we have today, Molly, is more of like a straightforward fact check. This deals with like direct misinformation that came out of um, Suleimani's death. Um, what can you tell me about this Instagram account? Uh, I think it was called Voice of America Persian. What, what, what was the deal with this? Yeah. Um, first, Voice of America is a, a U.S. state-funded news outlet. So we have different branches of, of Voice of America, uh, you know, around the world. So there was an Instagram account. It was fake. It was claiming to be Voice of America Persian, which is uh, the branch of Voice of America that serves Iran. Basically, the account just claimed that uh, one of Suleimani's daughters was an American citizen and that she claimed to be a U.S. citizen when she spoke at his funeral, um, which was not true. What happened, though, is that was kind of picked up on other social media platforms and then by like conservative news outlets. Uh, final final fact, check, Molly, is... Soleimani's daughter, an American citizen. Can we say for sure? Yeah, she's she's definitely not an American citizen. Um, I'm sure there will be lots of other claims around this story that we will talk about in the future, Molly. Um, but I think for now, that's all we have for this week. Um, today's episode was hosted by me, Justin Sanders, and by Molly Bryant. Uh, this episode was produced by me. Our theme is Oh No by Hartle Road. Hard Reset is available on Apple Podcast. Uh, if you like the show, please do rate it and leave us a review, and that'll help other people find us. Hard Reset is a podcast from BigIfTrue.org. We're nonpartisan and nonprofit. Support us at BigIfTrue.org slash support. Subscribe to our newsletter at BigIfTrue.org slash hard reset. Hard Reset.